2: This is Football Social Daily, the Premier
0: League podcast. 24 years after Manchester United completed their historic treble, their noisy neighbours from just down the road have repeated the feat and written themselves into the history books. We'll always be first will be the battle cry from the red half of Manchester, but right now, you wouldn't put it past Manchester City to do it all over again. On today's podcast, we look back at Manchester City's Champions League victory that secured their third piece of silverware of the season and fulfilled Pep Guardiola's Manchester City destiny. How did they do it? How did they get here? And what happens next? That's what we're talking on today's Football Social Daily. Doing it in the company of Marley Anderson. How are you doing,
2: Marley? I'm doing well. Visions of what's to come for Newcastle? Have you watched the Champions League final? Well, that's it now. They've done everything. Pep will go. And it's time for someone else to take over. That's where... Ryan Fraser wins the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> and next to Marley, the
0: Champions League denier, <laughs> is Joel Tudor, refusing to acknowledge the game even happened at the weekend. I didn't even know there was a game on, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> the City Centre was full of part-life,
1: guys. So. Watched
0: every moment, crying bitter tears. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about the Champions League final and a whole lot more on today's Football Social Daily. I'm Jim, let's get stuck into it, shall we? First off, Manchester City have won the Champions League. It felt like it's been a long time coming this, Marley. It felt like... The last four years, they've been dead certs to win it. Finally, they lift the trophy. What does
2: it mean? It finally sort of gives them the um, clarification that they are the best team. Validation. in Validation. Validation. That's the one. Wow, rare occasion where Jim's corrected <laughs> my uh, well, helped out with my English there. For me, like every time we talk about Man City in the Champions League, and we and sometimes we talk at the start of seasons where you say like, "Who do you think is going to win the Champions League?" I've never been able to see past City for the last four years. But it's never had that validation of, of them actually going and winning it and then this year they finally do um, just to, to put the sort of cherry on it like yeah we are the best and now we can prove it by the fact that we've got the Champions League and we've got the treble along the way as well and the only man to stop them doing the quadruple was bloody Nathan Jones who lasted three months at, at Southampton and won, won two games and one of those games happened to be against Man City in the Carabao quarterfinal but it's, um, that's the way football works isn't it but now we see them at the top, and it's a case of how long? Can, how do? How, how long do they want to be there? Really, because mm. we see sometimes complacency setting. Will that happen with Man City? I'm not sure. Only time will tell, I suppose. But you know, they've they've done everything this season. The only thing they could possibly do now is is win the quadruple like next year, for example. But you wouldn't rule it out, would you? That's Not at all. Thing. That's the craziness of the whole situation. Not at all. And Guardiola will want will want that as well. That'll be his motivation now because, you know, we, we might come on to it later on or or whenever, but it's already been sort of discussed. Which which treble was better, '99 or this year? Like number one, I don't really care, and number two. It will be on Pep's thing Pep's mind now. If we can win the quadruple, which you can't do in every in every league, by the way. You can only do it in, in leagues with two cup competitions like England's got. Um that is something which the history books would would be the sort of thing that ends the argument, you know. If you can win the quadruple off the back of winning a treble, that's something no one's ever done before. And no one's ever won four uh, Premier Leagues in a row as well. So that'll be his next motivation um, to, to cement himself as the GOAT. Even back-to-back Champions Leagues. I mean, yeah. that would be only an amazing been once. achievement. Yeah. God, um, Real Madrid won it three years in a row, won it 14, 15, 16, was it? Mm. Um, but yeah, other than that, they're the only team to have ever defended it. So yeah, different set of motivation now. It's I think it's it's a little bit harder to defend something than to win it for the first time, and City, you know, struggled to win it for the first time for a few years. He had to get that experience and go through them lows to get to the high, and then we'll uh, we'll see what they can do from now on. But for now, easily the best team in the world. It's not even close.
0: The suggestion's been that it has taken a long time, Joel, for them to get to this moment. That it the Champions League should have happened before this time. But do you think that's actually? unrealistic considering how difficult this competition is to win, how competitive it is that Man City needs to go through those and I call them failures where they've gone out to weaker opposition in earlier stages than maybe they would have liked to get to this point where they've actually lifted the trophy.
1: Yeah, them winning the Champions League was an inevitability to be honest. When you see how good they've been since Guardiola's taken over and the state of European football in general at the moment is actually underselling themselves that they've only managed to do it once and I don't know how hard it is to win it but when you see the amount of foreign teams at the moment who are like trying to muster up a good team again, you know, like of Bayern who looks so poor this season and Real Madrid, you seem like they're going through a whole new Galactico revamp with their midfield field and the old guard change with the new guard. It feels to me like it was just an inevitability, to be honest, and obviously it doesn't... Are you suggesting that the field was weaker? Ah, it's, it's clear. It's... But I <laughs> mean, inter, when you have Inter Milan and AC Milan in a semi-final of a Champions League... When you see how bad they were in the league this season, it's this clear as day. Even when you look at you know, yeah, Barcelona... Yeah, that's just the dropped, way the draw fell. Yeah, but you like, look at everyone else. The Real Madrid have not been good this season. They were so far off Barcelona in the league. Barcelona dropped into the Europa League. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's not to say that, oh, because they dropped out, City should win it, because it is a difficult uh, competition to win. But it—you'd be naive to say that the competition's really, really weak in terms of opposition, mm. especially when you look at how good City's team are at the moment. They're just like the the team above the rest. I can't see a gap. In, there's such a big gap, yeah, at the moment.
2: I think though as well, if you took out, if if Man City just didn't exist, like now, you would we look at the Champions League and go, well, anyone could win that. It would be really poor quality competition. Yeah, but for sure. yeah, but if you never knew how good City were, like if, if their quality never existed. Like
0: if Ronaldo and Messi didn't exist, the best player in the world would still be the best player in the world without it's just the levels are different. Yeah. But so you're like looking, yeah, on a team base, that was a terrible
2: comparison. <laughs> <laughs> By on what you mean? I, I, yeah, I I, hope, I knew what you were, you were. I, I made it more complicated I'm, I'm than hoping, you were. Saying, I'm hoping everyone that downloads this knows uh, <laughs> knows what we're on about as well. But you know, it's, it's, but
1: even when even when we saw the the foreign teams play each other, even though we know City are top and far and wide the best, the quality of the games has been pretty bad. Even mm-hmm. when you looked in the in the qual in the knockout stages, I was. Not impressed at barely any of them. It was only in the City games where they actually took it up a level against, you know, Real Madrid in that second leg where we thought, wow, clearly there is a huge gulf in quality class at the moment. Again, that's not City's fault. It's just the state of European football. It goes through changes in football where you have these transitionary periods. But yeah, I mean, it's Abu Dhabi's first Champions League. They'll always remember it.
0: Niall has written the questions for today's podcast. And I think this one's a bit of a body blow, Marley. But he says... Does European Glory now put Man City in the company of the biggest clubs in Europe in terms of pedigree? Does this competition make a difference to that? Or yeah. surely they were kind of there already, weren't they? They already had to be classed as one of the biggest clubs in Europe, it, if not the biggest. It
2: does. It comes back to that, that the V word, the validation. Um, you, need, you need trophies in the cabinet because everybody, like, if you can imagine us in like 15 years time and you're talking to, you know, you'll be talking to like your grown up son, and I'll be talking to like my kids or whatever. You they'll be like, if City had never won this Champions League, and uh, the money had gone, for example, and Man City were just a an, another good team, or even an average team, I'll never forget like how good Man City were at that time, because I'll be like, look, this this City team played football that no one else could. Have even got near. Mm. Guardiola made a new formation, which it took everyone six months to work out what the hell it was. I think like that's John what Stones makes him so a special. Defender.
0: And I was explaining, we watched Champions League final, and I let my lad stay up late, and I was sitting. My wife was watching it. She never watches football, <laughs> and she was asking me about how Man City played, mm. and I tried to explain the formation that Pep Guardiola has now. <laughs> and you realise when you try and explain it, yeah. how innovative. And difficult it is to explain, as it, because it's so unusual and it's not yeah. anything that anyone's used to. And I think that's what makes this city's team so special. It's yeah, it's the talent and it's the Erling Haaland and it's the Kevin De bruyne's that make that team exceptional. But it's mm. also the manager is so important in what puts City head above head and shoulders above everyone else at the moment.
2: Yeah, it's it's that it's yeah, it's, it's that that separates them. Um, but you've still got to have the trophy, I think, to settle the. The debate in years to come, like, you know, I can be like saying to m- my kids or nephew or whatever, you know, that City team were incredible. And then he could then turn around to me and go, well, what did they win? Did they win? How many Champions League did they win? And if I say none, he's going to... Like, it just... You you just lose the... You lose mm. the point. Oh, yeah, but they were really good. It's like Newcastle in 96. We were we were fantastic. Did you win the league? No. Well, you were the, you yeah. were probably the most famous bottlers of a league you've ever seen because <laughs> you blew a 12-point lead with... 10 games to go, whatever it was. City, City fans can had a meltdown, <laughs> which is more famous than anything else.
1: City fans can talk about, you know, De Bruyne and Aguero, he was the best signing, but for me, Guardiola's their best signing that they'll ever make. Because yeah. when you look at the plays that he brought in, like Akanji, John Stones, who wasn't, didn't really fulfil his potential prior to him coming, Kyle Walker, another one who was good, He's taken them all up to a different stratosphere in terms of their ability. I think he's brought out ability in them that they didn't even know they had. Because every single person who's worked under Guardiola, probably and Ibrahimovic, has all said that they didn't realise they could play this kind of football Mm -hmm. and they didn't realise how to see the game in a different way. And that's why I think... He only chose City because the circumstances at City were perfect for how he wants to operate, yeah. which is that he wants. He's got um, Tiki Begistain and Soriano upstairs, who he knows from Barcelona. He's got the funds available, where like we saw, cleared out Bravo, cleared out Joe Hart, club legend, to bring in the guy who he wants to play top football with. He's cho- he, he's a smart guy. He chooses environments with, with, what will suit his football and bring his football out in the best way. Because if he was to go to the likes of Dortmund, who haven't got the biggest budget, he'd be good, but the the level in which he wants to play football will never match the type of quality of plays they'll ever be able to get at that football club. It'd be That's so why, interesting to see it happen, though, wouldn't it? It would, but I, you're I know how it would work. Mm. He, he would never be able to compete. This is what I mean. It's like Bayern are the City in the, in Germany, who no one can catch because their budgets are unbelievable, and then Dortmund you can get as many great players as you can, but you've got a limit. Mm. And I think that's why you can never really compare Alex Ferguson and Guardiola <laughs> because they're both different innovators in their own ways. All right, well, like, the- in terms of Guardiola's football, I think it probably was better than Ferguson's, but in the way in which Ferguson built clubs from the ground up... Yeah, but up, he used to spend money different. as well. Yeah, but it comes from different places. V- come on, Veron, come on, Stan? it's like we Manchester United passed the monopoly wheel and collected the two hundred. City have passed the wheel and collected two hundred thousand.
0: Because so the rules on. have changed, but because the, the kind of like the ability for teams to finance themselves in different ways has changed, and you, it, that was why it makes it so difficult to compare the two. And like,
1: ah. but United have never been run by something that's such a huge force. City, everyone's
0: yeah. underestimating City
1: are run by let's a see, huge see, well, bloody in 12 force. 12 months'
0: time when you've got new ownership, let's see if ah, you're but I'm not. I'm not, I'm
1: not for it, though, so it doesn't really mark how I feel right. about it. But, Look. I mean, again, it doesn't under, undermine what he's achieved. He is, he is City, mm. for me. The
0: comparison like. is going to be made between Manchester United and Man City. The debate will continue now more than ever. Who's the better team? Who's the better treble-winning team? Does this win, Joel, put City on the same level at Manchester United? In terms of what? I, I hate the big club <laughs> argument. I think well, they don't match
1: us anyway, so that's, 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 let's get that one out of the way.
0: And City aren't as big, inverted commas, as Manchester United in of terms course. of their global status. I think City fans would accept that. But in terms of the quality between the two teams, the treble winning team, Manchester United, winning it in 1999, and Man City winning it in 2023, are they on a par now?
1: Listen, they'll win it in their own ways. You can't really compare the two eras because it's different opposition, different circumstances. I mean, Manchester United, the teams that we had to face in 99 and the quality of opposition was ridiculous, especially in Europe. And the way in which, you know, a lot of it was academy-based. Everyone's going to say, yeah, but we bought a lot of players. Yes, we did. But again, it wasn't as if we got a lottery ticket win. It was the club that was churning through revenues and trying to build something. Uh, With City... Again, it's, not, it's like an inevitability for me. Guardiola, I. everyone knows how well he's made teams play. His, Bar- his Barcelona side, the way in which he decimated that Man United side in Champions League was something that I've never, ever seen before in my life. And the Bayern team was good. Of course, they didn't win the Champions League. So it was inevitable, inevitable for me. So you can't really compare the eras, but I just feel the way in which Man United did it is just the complete polar opposite. And again, it doesn't undermine what City have achieved because it is so hard to win a treble, hence why they haven't done it or why PSG haven't done it, for example. Uh, but it's diff- I don't think you can really compare. They're just so worlds apart in terms of how they've gone about it.
0: Marley, would you agree with that? Or would you look at the squads and go, like, you've got to compare Peter Schmeichel to Edison. You've got to compare Yapstown to Ruben Diaz. Gundogan to Nicky Butt. De Bruyne to <coughs> David Beckham. Dwight York to Erling Haaland and go... There's one clear winner from that lot because I think there
2: is. Yeah, I mean, I always, I always think the the more recent the achievement is, the better because the the level of football has has moved on. So, I mean, of, of the two, I would have to say I think City are the better team, but you know, Man United were. Amazing in that season, like, and they were the best. Clearly, they won everything, you know. So then they beat a super giant of Juventus in the semis, and then Bayern in, in the final. But then you can look at look at that and say, well, they were getting hammered by Bayern in the final until until that last couple of minutes. So mm-hmm. where where does that rank? You know what I mean? I, I, I don't when people sort of look at look back and say, oh, well, everyone in '99 was mint. Like I don't buy into the fact that people can remember. Every little minute of the of Man United's run.
1: Well, the reason is everyone's gonna remember all of cities. It's just happened, hasn't it? Yeah.
2: So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a bit. It's it's a bit of an irrelevant like
1: it's like comparing who's better Maradona or Messi I don't bloody know because exactly. they've been different eras where the opposition were how they were like exactly like
2: clear. that's 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 sort of a good comparison bizarrely quick because Maradona played against players who were got to kick crap out of yeah, him. <laughs> we were number 1 hoofing him number 2 <laughs> right, fat, not as not as yeah. you know, good as as they play, are play now. With a ball made of lead, it's yeah, like, exactly, a lot yeah. of You can't compare. 100%. It's a
1: nonsensical argument, isn't it? Really, but again, for argument's sake, it's Manchester United. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, you never know.
0: The arguments will not be finishing here. They will go on well into the weeks and months ahead. But one thing we can be a little bit more clear on is how the game was won. How did Pep Guardiola mastermind this Champions League victory? We'll get stuck into the 90 minutes next on Football Social Daily. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Let's look at the 90 minutes that saw Manchester City win the Champions League final 2023 versus Inter Milan. Looking at this game, I thought City looked really nervous going into it. They didn't do what I expected. And I think you said, Marley, at the end of last week, you were going, you were expecting City to dominate Inter Milan 3-0 up at halftime, take their foot off the gas. Yeah, it was, yeah couldn't have been further from the truth city looked really shaky early on some of the passing was astray they didn't really play with the same confidence they we've seen before do you think that's understandable with this being the biggest night in the club's history
2: yeah I do I think if you look at the the three European finals we've seen um in the last two weeks the conference league the Europa League and then the Champions League final they've all been pretty poor games if if, if we're being honest from a sort of a a neutral's view um because of the it's completely understandable of course but you know it's um it did surprise me with city because i thought i I, I thought with inter they would sit in and just counter-attack and set pieces would would be where they tried to to get out um but yes city made a few mistakes bit of a scrappy game um not really. I think probably the only chance in the first half was was Harlan from a, a bit of a tight angle, which Juanana saved pretty easily. Um, and then the second half, it was a case of when City got that breakthrough, there were still the nervy moments towards the end. I mean, Lukaku, Lukaku should get a winners medal for winning it for Man City. To be fair, because he he came on and looked like an absolute donkey, like he has done for for most of the time when he's been at uh, Man United and Chelsea over the last few years, and ends up blocking <laughs> blocking Demarco's header. And, that uh, game I that wasn't world, going
0: cool. in any way that header but, though.
2: It would have got cleared off the line. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's it's just the fact. that... I mean, it's it like, I'm being harsh because he couldn't, he physically couldn't do anything. But only Lukaku would have blocked that. It, it would have so oh, if Jekyll so. was on, it would have gone through his legs or something and, and ended up having to be cleared off the line. But you know, and then there's the end, the the chance at the end with um, with his header, which Edison gets a shin on, and then it that proved it for me, like the. When, it, when he headed it and it hits Edison in the shin then it hits Ruben Diaz in the face and bounces like just wide like Diaz didn't know what he was doing with that header because it just hit him in the face but the fact that it went wide rather than in it was like right City's name, him he's on this yeah, he's, he's on days. this trophy now it's 100% um, and yeah that's that's just how it went but I, I did expect a bigger um, battering for Inter to be fair but yeah like anyone can see you know the nerves were, were there to, to see there was a big question mark before the game, Joel. Everyone was saying, "Is Pep going to overthink this? Is This going to be Chelsea
0: again. Is he going to not play holding midfielders? Is he going to play John Stones at centre forward? Is he going to play Edison right wing? Whatever." But the actual starting eleven he picked, I think probably most people, with maybe a, a couple of exceptions, would have gone, "Yeah, that's the that's the strongest team to go out with here."
1: Yeah, it's almost like for the first time he's he's got like this trusted eleven that he always sticks with now. Especially in the big games, which is unusual because he's such a rotator. But it seems like you know with John Stones and Rodri, almost as those two holding midfielders. And again, I don't even really know how to explain what works. It's like a metronome, isn't it? But
0: um, double pivot, double pivot wagon wheel is my my, <laughs> my, my my settled on description of how Pep Guardiola plays. Well, I, I mean, they, it all got disrupted when Kevin De Bruyne
1: went off with the hamstring yeah. injury, which has been confirmed as being a, a completely torn one now. So he might be out for the start of the season. And obviously he's one of the biggest and most important players in that City side. So for him to come off quite early might have changed things a lot for them. I thought it might have changed things a lot for him in terms of their passage of play. Uh, but again, I think everyone, I, myself included, I underestimated Inter Milan. But we're probably forgetting that they've gone into this thinking, the whole world thinks we're getting battered here. So let's just go with our game plan and really irritate them. And it kind of showed, to be honest, but I feel like our perception of a final has been so badly altered from the Argentina and France final, I cannot get it out of my head. So every time I watch a Champions League final, which, by the way, the last four finals have ended 1-0, it just kind of shows just how nervy of an occasion it is. No team wants to, you know, imagine if if City played these in a two-legged tie, they Mm. would have probably battered him about, you know, 6-1 on aggregate or something, but the fact that there's so much to lose in 90 minutes, no one wants to make the mistake, no one wants to be the guy who you know, passes it short. Like, uh, do you remember the, in the game where Akanji, it went behind him yeah. and he thought that uh, he Edison was it. about to come and no one came. Yeah. And, I, and you saw Guardiola just fall to his knees thinking, oh my God, my team's just messed up in that, like yeah. one lapse of concentration. And then, of course, Lautaro Martinez saw the stars instead of playing it into Lukaku, to be honest. I wouldn't have backed Lukaku to finish that <laughs> yeah. anyway. But... um Honestly, Lukaku. It just reminded me of that Belgium game against I think it was Croatia in the World Cup where he came on and he had about four chances, yeah. and every single one just kept going slightly missed mm. or on the bar. Yeah. He's just not the, he's not the guy for the big occasion, unfortunately. Um, and it's a shame because when you saw the last Inter Milan team that won it under Mourinho, they had real killers like Eto and Milito and Schneider, yeah. real match winners. And in this team, I don't see any of them whatsoever. Which is a shame. and again it kind of shows the the
2: the golfing that, quality. That inter team was like it, it it could defend for its life because as soon as they got a chance, chance Diego Melito. Eto would run you up the pitch yeah. and Milito would finish it like hundred percent, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, all the time. This one, you just you need to take your chances and Lukaku is has gone from I know he scored thirty like two years ago in, in Serie A, but a lot's changed these days he needs five or six chances. You can't afford that at the biggest the biggest top level. Dzeko's um, with 37 hasn't got 90 minutes in him probably anymore mm. and Lautaro Martinez for me is a bit of a hype job well he got taken out
1: of the Argentina side for Alvarez which mm. is one of the reasons why I think they won it to be honest so it just yeah. shows they didn't have the just that lack in that uh, attacking quality in the final third
0: which pretty much showed in it with the amount of chances yeah. that they squandered yeah Joel mentions a Kanji there who if you were going to raise any eyebrows at squad selection it might be you'd raise half an eyebrow at Akanji being picked over the incredibly experienced Kyle Walker who has kind of been in and out of Manchester City's team this season. Mm. Did that decision pay off? Yeah, it
2: did because and Akanji because they want <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah. Akanji played the uh, the pass through for the um for Bernardo Silva to do the cutback which led to Rodri's goal. Um but I, I think think is absolutely class. I think I think Walker's role now is very much a uh, specialist like if you're under pressure towards the end of the game, you bring on Kyle Walker because he's fast as hell. So mm. if you get countered, you know he's the one who can do it um, and and get you out of that situation. Same when like the Real Madrid match was a perfect example. You had Vinicius, who's their biggest threat, Real Madrid's biggest threat, and it's like right, we'll put Kyle on him as a as a man marking job because he's bigger physically and he's faster than him. So it's it's almost like it kind of reminds you of like a, a kicker in uh, American football. When you bring him on for like special plays, and it's like if that is Walker's role now, if you've got someone that he's worried about, Carl Walker will play, and I think he's happy with that as well because he's thirty-two now, Carl Walker. He's probably he's probably thinking he's coming towards the end of his career, so he probably needs to um,
0: protect what? himself. Yeah,
2: like the the way he is, like you, you probably can't play Carl Walker ninety minutes for fifty games a season because yeah. at some point his hamstring will snap, and that's him probably maybe done forever because if you do your hamstring in your mid-30s when you're fast player like that, you can't reinvent your game any, really.
1: It's quite impressive though that he's maintained his like, athleticism and speed at 33.
2: It's insane. He's, right. he's, back back that <laughs> he's insane. He's not that old. For a guy who yeah. relies on his know, uh, yeah. pace
1: as one of his main traits. Yeah. It, you know, you, you saw the likes of Kafu and Danny Alves who pretty the, much it's relied It's a very on
0: different, that. sports science is in such a different place not now shit. than it was. But they have to
1: also look after themselves. Mm. I mean, you see players yeah, who are yeah. in the MLS at 32, Gareth Bale being one of them and he was known to be super athletic and it go- it goes like that. Yeah. So he's obviously blessed with good genetics but um, I mean, like you say, Jim, with the way in which sports science is going, he might even maintain those kind of qualities when he's 35, 36. You don't yeah. even know. But, Only
0: four years younger than Wayne Rooney. Hey,
1: he's not achieved half of what Wayne Rooney's achieved. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very quickly, word on Rodri, who got the winning goal. I mean, goals are great but that's not part of Rodri's game. He's worked his way over the last couple of seasons into being... One of the most important players in that Manchester City team, in terms of what he does in that CDM position, if you want to call it that, is he the best in the world? Is there anyone else that's better at? It? Yeah, there's been a big debate,
1: hasn't there, in the Premier League this season between Casemiro, Partey, and Rodri of who's the best. I mean, I think in terms of who's been most effective, Declan I think Rodri. Rodri. Manchester wonders-
0: Declan Rice. He's the best. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's keep him out of that for now. Um, no, every time I've watched Rodri, to be honest, he reminds me of. No, nowhere near as good as Busquets. I think in terms of his output, but Rodri just reminds me of that. He would fit in that Barcelona team so, so well. Yeah, he's like a reincarnation. I don't believe as good because Busquets' bar is phenomenal. I feel like Rodri does have, does have a mistake in him at some periods of the game, but the way in which he's so composed and press resistant, he is like the ideal. Guardiola profile you saw it when um, he used Joshua Kimmich and Lam at Bayern these are the kind of players they're like specialists where he, there's not many of them in the world and if you want to buy one you'll probably cost you over 100 million because mm-hmm. they're so important to these teams but I think he has been probably one of their top top three players this season behind uh, Erling Haaland and pff, I mean I don't even know who else to say Bernardo Silva has been great Kevin De Bruyne has been great they're all just on par with each other aren't they but he has been It's been probably his breakthrough season, hasn't it, at
0: City, I would say. Before we wrap up on the Champions League, Marley, we've talked a little bit about the future, what happens next already. But, I mean, there's some debate over whether Pep Guardiola stays, I guess. Now (laughs) he's won the Champions League. I Mm. think it looks like he probably will. There's debate as to whether anyone can challenge them next season. But it's the biggest problem, the biggest challenge for Manchester City going forward. Hunger now, because they've done it. They've dominated. They've won it all. Can they go again?
2: Uh, they can, uh, but like I mentioned it before, um, it's it's kind of uh, it's a hunger thing now. I think he's got two years on his contract, so he's got next season and the season after. I, my feeling now is that that'll be his last two years. Yeah, I think I what think so. I think whatever he wins now uh, will be the last thing he wins because, like you say, he's done everything now. That's it, he's won the Champions League, he's won the Premier League, he's won the Carabao four times in a row. That's so, you know, you That's can say he goes it. to bed dreaming about. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because people say, oh, he didn't win the Carabao this year. Yeah, but he won it four years previous, like on the spin. It, it was nearly spray-painted blue permanently, the Carabao Cup, because it was just inevitable that they'd win it every year. But it's one of those where it's a hunger thing. It's it's his longest ever spell at a club. He's, he's been at City now, is it seven years? So it'll be nine, so nine, ten in, years, yeah, yeah. yeah, that he's been there. So I feel like it, th- this is his last couple of years because I think he'll just say, right, it's been great. I've done everything. I've, I've, com- I've completed English football now. Not one of Johnson's paint. <laughs> you know, what's what's next? Um, what that'll be, who who knows? God knows. But um, yeah, for, for next season, it'll be just keeping keeping the squad hungry, really. Because how do you keep a squad hungry when they've won everything before? It's it's probably one of the hardest things to do in, in football is to stay at the top um, and not let anybody get near you because everyone's got nothing to lose and you've got everything to lose, quite literally in this case, because you've won everything. So, you know, how do you do that? But that's, that's the next challenge for a manager like Guardiola, who's so good. Well, we start again in August and Football
0: Social Daily will be covering it blow by blow. Make sure you've subscribed and you're following so you never miss an episode. That's it for our look back at the Champions League. But some of the names we've already mentioned in this podcast could be heading for big money moves this summer. We're going to look at some of the transfer news on the back pages next on Football Social Daily. (music) Welcome back, Football Social Daily, your Monday podcast finishing off with a bit of transfer gossip. Some of the juicy stuff from the back pages of the paper. We've already talked about Romelu Lukaku, who played in the Champions League final for Inter Milan. Still a Chelsea player, officially, and Chelsea, maybe understandably, they want rid rid of him and Koulibaly at the moment. They're looking to shift both of those players off to Inter Milan in exchange for another player who appeared in the Champions League final, goalkeeper Andrea Unana, the Cameroonian goalkeeper. He looked decent, I thought, in the final, Joel, and he's a rising star, even though he's 27, so he's he's not the youngest. But, I mean, who knows what happens when a player goes to Chelsea. But on the face of it, that would be decent business, wouldn't it? Two players that are deemed surplus for requirements and bring in a goalkeeper that Chelsea desperately need.
1: Yeah, I thought Unana was awesome, to be honest. he's um, He's almost like a... A backline defender in the way in which he has the ball, where City were almost a little bit hesitant to go and press him because he was so good on the ball. He mm. could pick out a pass anywhere. I mean, when I look at you know my own team David De Gea, it just made me so jealous yeah. because he was so he was one of the best players on the ball, which is unbelievable. And when you see more and more teams, I know Pochettino, he likes teams who build out from the back and can play out from the back, and he would be perfect for Chelsea. And on the flip side, I think if you allowed uh, Khalidou Koulibaly to go to Inter Milan, I think he would look world-class again. He needs that kind of environment. The the Italian league suits his strengths and suits his game to an absolute T. And I think Lukaku burnt the Chelsea bridge when he did that interview while he was at Chelsea where he was so unhappy and he Mm -hmm. was flirting with into Milan with their journalists on their show. I think it was Sky Italy or something like that. Sky Sports Italy. I mean, that was done once he did that interview and everyone knows it. The only issue Chelsea have is they're trying to recoup all of the money that they've lost because I think they're doing, what, £10 million loan fees, which is, I mean, it's it's absolute pittance compared to what they paid, which is, what, £100 which at the time, he looked like a £100 million striker. However, we're forgetting that he's had stints in the Premier League and although he... He's pretty prolific. We just saw in the Champions League. He's not a guy who's going to win you trophies, the biggest ones, and that's that's the issue with him. I know he gets a lot of critique, and which is quite crazy because his goalscoring record's insane.
2: It's bizarre. He's got he's member of the hundred club in the Premier League as well. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's got 108 Premier League goals. But if you watch football, he's not he's not a good player. (laughs) No, he's he's just he's just his touch is awful. the, The game's too fast for him in the Prem. He That's su- why he scores so many goals in Italy, because he can be a penalty box predator type of thing. Yeah,
1: he was perfect under that Antonio Conte style, which yeah. was just backs to the defenders, pop it off and then go. Yeah. Whereas teams who want to play football, he's not your man at all. So I think if, if this would benefit Chelsea massively, and again, it would benefit Inter Milan, they would probably be even stronger next season if yeah. they were to get uh, Carlo Ducullabali, because he's still got some life in him, but sometimes the life's needed to be... Uh, Explored in Italy, and I understand why, to be honest, with all that wine, sun and gelato.
0: (laughs) 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 They definitely need to rid themselves of some players. Chelsea going into the new season, incredibly bloated squad at the moment. Let's talk about Newcastle, Marley, who are the vultures circling around Leicester City at the moment, trying to pick off James Madison, apparently. Mm, Apparently, you're slightly ahead of Spurs at the moment. £40 million is the price tag on James Madison, according to Sky Sports. Going to
2: pay it? I'd pay that for for madison he's only i think he's only twenty six which is a little bit younger than than i feel like he feels like a sort of twenty eight year old player but he's not he's only twenty six he's he's sort of in his prime um i think he he offers something to the squad i think is about right i think they if they'd have stayed up they'd have wanted sixty um but you get that little discount now i think because they they know that they can't um can't go and sort of force him to stay and also if you sell him you you're then well well set to go and um, spend money to get you back out of the championship again. You can buy, you know, the players that will get you out of that league for sixty million quid. Uh, sorry, forty million quid, and then you sell Barnes as well, and, and all of a sudden you you're you flying really. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd love him to be honest. I think he's he doesn't quite fit our system, which is a little bit of a worry in terms of. I feel like his best position is number ten, sort of allowing him to go and do what he does. We play four three three, so he would have to do a little bit more off the ball than he's maybe used to. But he he has played there before, um, and he has looked good in in Leicester's system four three three when they play that way, uh, when they were winning obviously when not not last season when they were horrendous. But he's um, he's played there before. Forty million. It's not not a lot really, considering uh, the the market value of average players. This this uh, window, you can get an average player for thirty, forty million. I think we're getting a really good one if we if we can beat Spurs. It just depends on what Ange Postacoglu wants to uh, wants to do at Spurs because they've got a few lads coming back on loan from loan sorry that they've uh, they've got to sort out as well. So there's um, there's decisions to be made there as well.
0: It's going to be a busy a busy window for Newcastle. I think this one apparently Harvey Barnes from Leicester is no longer. Of interest, but still Mm. on the shopping list. Scott McTominay from Manchester United, obviously. No thanks. (laughs) No thanks. Also looking apparently at a loan deal for Harry Maguire, but Manchester United. Please raid us. Where are you reading (laughs) this? Well, well, this is this is being reported by the Sun. So, oh god, um, yeah, they say Newcastle United want a loan deal, but Manchester United won't look at a loan deal for Newcastle but will look at a potential loan deal for Aston Villa, who also want Harry Maguire. I guess from your point of view, Joel, it doesn't really matter how he leaves <laughs> as long as he goes.
1: Yeah, again, I don't really like to scapegoat him, but is the best solution for absolutely everyone if he goes this season, because he must look at how he's portrayed by the media and by the fans as this just meme. And it's crazy because when he joined us, he was one of the best defenders in the league after that uh, 2018 World Cup. I think...
0: Is this a similar scenario to Koulibaly though? Oh, no, it's not. The league's not the environment, but the team's
2: the it's environment. It's the style. Yeah,
0: the yeah he does yeah. it. He was a, he just he, his his, his strengths
1: come out so well when it's a team that are heading heading everything out of the box and yeah. they're against it and he doesn't have to play on the ball too much. He's not relied upon for that. He's just a defender and that's it. Whereas if he goes to a team that want to play and they want to get out from the back, he will be exposed and he has been exposed. His weaknesses are so apparent when he plays. Um, But I don't think a loan's a good idea because he's 30 now. If he goes on loan and doesn't light the place on fire, his value's probably going to go in half and he'd be 31. I think you need to just cut the slate clean. We need money as well with this ongoing saga with the ownership where we don't even know what the budget is at the moment. So we need to actually get some incoming money to put towards the budget. So I just think if we can get somewhere around... I don't know, like 30 million. I think that would be really, really good business. And they're putting it towards, I don't know, Min Jay or whoever else we've been linked with. Just someone else who's a little bit more up and coming. Yeah. But for Villa, I think for Villa, it would actually be a very good signing as well um, with the way in which they play. But it, anywhere so. but United.
2: I think Villa's a good move for him. Newcastle, we'd have the same problem. We play more on the front foot than Villa do. We have more mm-hmm. possession, usually. So our, our sort of issue would be, when we get countered. do we want a guy who looks like he runs with concrete boots on? Like, not really. But <laughs> yeah. if you... Like, Maguire, if you're under pressure at the end of a game, there's no better defender to bring on than Harry Maguire. Because if you want, if you say, right, we're going to sit on the edge of our own box, you want him with you. You will win everything. Anything that comes in the, comes air, in the yeah. air, he wins it. He'd be insane at West Ham, for example. Mm-hmm. Ins- he'd be incredible. He'd look like the, the defender that left Leicester. Because even... Maguire with his feet is is actually not bad, but as long as he's got time, mm. if you if if he's playing against a high press, pff, he's knackered. Yeah. But if he's got time to bring it out from the back, he's he's actually pretty good at it. He can pick a pass and stuff like that. But.
1: He just needs to get out of the limelight. It's, yeah. it's difficult for him. I'm His cards are already marked level. at Man United. Yeah. Different level.
2: He's like you said. He's he's almost Phil Jones 2.0. Like he's become become a meme now. It's it's you know like you said the other week you know, when when your kids playing football and someone makes a mistake. Oh, you've done a Maguire like. These kids don't know that he was eighty. Minutes. He once he once was good and player of the tournament in the World he Cup and the Euros. Yeah. Like well, exactly. he is a good
1: defender, but just he needs the system yeah. to suit his. strength.
2: But ten-year-olds like like Jim's kids' friends they, do, they don't they kids don't friends see friends that bullies, you know what I <laughs> that, that that'll stick with him though. That's what I'm saying. Like that that'll stick and he, there's no better way than to not make it stick than to just move and get out yeah. the limelight and get out the the crossfire.
0: You're saying no to Scott McTominay, no. I
2: think there's a player in Scott McTominay.
0: Again, I guess it's the right destination. If mm. West Ham were looking at him as one of the replacements that came in if Declan Rice leaves, I think that's potentially a good move. But yeah. you don't think he's a level up for what you've currently got at Newcastle? Uh,
2: with with McTominay, I have absolutely no doubt that he'd be a good player for us. I just don't see him as a an anchorman-style midfielder. I, I think he likes to get sort of box-to-box box a bit more. Well, he's like, as a
1: striker. United, yeah, and then he just got moved back a little bit. He's not a holding midfielder who's going to spray your passes, that's, which everyone seems to think he is. That's
2: what we need. I think we Newcastle need a a number six who is more of the ilk of Casemiro. Like, I'll sit, I'll tackle anyone that comes over that halfway line, and then I'll pass it. I've got a decent range of passing, and I'll give it to you know Bruno like alongside him or, or Willock, huh? Like a Calvin
0: Phillips. I mean, yeah. he's not going anywhere, he's going to stay at City, I think, but yeah, he's.
2: I don't know with I don't know. I I'm finding it hard to to put a a name as to who we need. Um They're so rare though. These yeah. kind of
1: players are very special like they're very far and few between and the effective ones. They get bought
2: up by yeah. the most uh, powerful clubs. The best the best I can come up with is Mikel Marino, who we had a few years ago. Um and we, we signed him as a twenty year old from, from Spain. Um and we Put him on a bad contract because his release clause was 10 million. So, Sociedad came and took him for 10 million. But even now, he's like 26, but he's a holding midfielder. He can pass it. He's similar sort of mould to, to Busquets and Rodri. Mm. Like, he's big, tall, strong, but good, good with the ball at his feet. I'd like to see, him, see us buy him back, but. It, it yeah how how often do you see that happening? It's not very often, and Chelsea oh, are in the Champions League as well. So
1: there'll be less dealings with Newcastle and Manchester United now, though. It's different. Dynamic. Exactly, yeah. It won't happen. To maybe maybe rivals. three four years ago, we'd be like, okay, if you can pay us thirty million, that's fine. But yeah. again, too close for comfort now, where there's no point strengthening a team that are going to be a threat. So it's pointless.
0: Yeah. Final transfer room. I want to talk about again. It's at Manchester United, and it involves. I guess David De Gea's future. Apparently, United say it doesn't matter whether David De Gea stays or goes. They're still in the market for a new goalkeeper. And that goalkeeper could be Everton's Jordan Pickford for 30 million quid. I mean, you're talking about a keeper that has better footballing ability. So he's an upgrade in that regard to David De Gea. But is he the right man, Joel?
1: No, not at all. And you know what? I actually like Pickford. Maybe it's because I've watched him mainly for England and he's actually very, very good in that England side. He's literally not put a foot wrong at all. He's been one of the probably standout players, I would say, for England. Uh, but for Everton, he does make suspect errors in some occasions and we need a we need a keeper who's just so assured at the moment. Uh, he's way better on, like you say, he's better in terms of playing than De Gea is. But I don't think he's the right mole for what we're looking for, to be honest. I think we need someone who is just a different level, like Onana, like Diogo Costa. Uh, yeah, there's very far and few between goalkeepers, isn't there, at the moment? But just someone of that ilk who can be that kind of Edison or Allison, who is almost a quarterback in behind your team rather than just a, someone who can... Because with Pickford, I do like the fact that he's a great, great keeper in the moments that matter, you know, like where we saw with Everton where they just stayed up and he made some incredible saves in that last game. But then what will follow is a couple of errors or a couple of mad moments where he'll lose his head. And I just don't think for us it's the right choice. And I think we're going to have to spend an absolute fortune on a keeper this season because everyone knows that we're in the market. But, you know, David Raya, Diogo Costa or Nana, these are the types of keepers I think we should be going for.
2: Mm. I don't think Wright is good enough for Man new personally. I, I think I can see him going to Spurs. Yeah. He's looking like he's going to Spurs at the moment. That's the yeah suggestion. Um, but Costa looks decent at Porto, but it's the Portuguese league, isn't it? It, it depends 65 on sixty-five million. My well, God, yeah. that is yeah, yeah. But you need a new one, hundred percent. That at the centre forward in Man United will be flying. But you got to get got to get them right, and you've got to take a loss. Because you're not, you're not getting much from Maguire. You're not we getting much for away. You need some bloody new Dalia. owners first. <laughs> <laughs>
0: As those deals materialise, we'll be talking about um, covering them off on Football Social Daily. So make sure you subscribe. We're in summer mode now. We're half on the beach, half off the beach. So we will be putting our feet up a little bit. But there'll still be three podcasts a week for you f- throughout the week. <laughs> three podcasts a week <laughs> That's throughout, <what> I mean. <laughs> throughout the week. Um, on Wednesday, we're going to be getting the inside scoop on... Tottenham's new manager as well whose name is Marley Ange Postacoglu I need to learn to pronounce that by the there beginning of next season but at the moment I'm not quite there so if you're a Spurs fan and you want to know what's involved for your team next season make sure you listen to this Wednesday's podcast and we'll see you next time for Football Social Daily Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sport Social Podcast Network